Well, today, we continue with our mini-series on why obey the commandments. Again, we bring you back to Matthew 28. Jesus Christ commands us, Go ye therefore into all the earth, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all. So it's not just teaching them. It's not just teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey all. So the challenge, the question is, why obey the commandments? And we presented basically three points. When we obey the commandments as people of God, we distinguish, we set ourselves apart from the rest of the peoples of the world. Secondly, we prove we love God. Because God says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. God's love language is obedience. To say that we love God and are not willing to obey, I submit to you, you don't really love God. And thirdly, we become effective witnesses for Jesus. The pagan mouths that will criticize your faith in Christ will be silenced by your good lives. And these pagans will even glorify God on account of how they see you and you live out your lives in obedience to Christ. And we broke it down by reading the Ten Commandments. Last week, we discussed idolatry, adultery. God said in the first two commandments, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other God. You shall have no other God beside me, in front of me, behind me, no God. There is only one God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we also discussed the second commandment. Thou shalt not make for yourself an idol in any way, shape, or form, and you shall not bow to them in worship. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the sins of the children for the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation, but showing my loving kindness to the thousands of generations of those who love me. When you and I came to relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we came into an exclusive relationship. It's like a marriage covenant. You are my God and I am your child. You are our God and we are your people. We pledge allegiance to this one God. And I shared in the D group, the two D groups that I have, would you like somebody else sleeping on your bed? What do you call that? If somebody else other than your spouse is sleeping in your bed. That's adultery. That is unfaithfulness. That's why idolatry is adultery. Idolatry, pledging your allegiance to anyone or anything else other than God, is your idol. And God looks at that as adultery. James chapter 4, verse 4 that we shared with you last week. You adulteresses, you love the world more than you love God. Do you not know that love for the world is enmity towards God? So you see the point? We have one God. We pledge allegiance to the one true God. And in that, we read that an hour is coming, and now is when the, few, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers, God is spirit, 
and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the Bible says that when we worship God, we worship God in spirit. He has no way, shape, or form. He is spirit. And we must worship the one true God in accordance with the truth of His word, which is the Bible. We cannot just say that, well, God, this is the how I want to worship you. But if that is not God, what the way that God wants to be worshipped, then you have a dilemma. Like what happened to them. In the Old Testament, they worship the wrong God. Do not have any other gods before God because there is only one true God. But there is also the sin of worshiping the true God in the wrong way. That's why Jesus said, you must worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, where do we find the truth? In the Bible. Please do not raise your hands. How many of you have brought your Bibles? How many of us read our Bibles? Well, I have my Bible in my phone. Very good. However, the psalmist wrote, Thy words have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. It's okay to worship God your own way for so long as it is in accordance with truth. Once we are outside the truth, we have a problem. Let me give you an example. The psalmist also said, If I cherish sin in my heart, God would not hear. Hey, you worship God. You raise. Alright. Some of us worship like. Okay. But if you are harboring sin, if you are cherishing sin, you think God will accept your worship? No. Because God's word is clear. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. And Joshua laid out the challenge to the Israelites before they took possession of the land. Therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him with sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, very simple. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served which were beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's your choice. But you can only choose one. You, can have, you cannot have two gods. You will serve the one and hate the other. You will love the one and despise the other. You will not be able to serve God. And according to Brother Toti, Mamon, no. Mammon is money. But he said, Pastor, in the Philippines, we call bread money. Mammon, not mammon, okay? Mammon. You will not be able to serve both God and mammon. We will continue with our study of the Ten Commandments with the object and the same question, why obey? This morning, I have titled the message, Holy Name, Holy Day. Very easy. Holy name, holy day. Not holiday, holy day. Alright? In honor of God's word, can we all stand? And let's read, continuing from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11. Let's all read. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as to the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant. You shall remember. Sabi ni Dinis, hindi natapos. Balikan natin. Your ox, your donkey, your cattle, your sojourner who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Very important. And thank you for reminding me of that. What is God's design? Why does God want us to rest? Look at the last part. So that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. God designed the Sabbath as a day of rest. Before we continue, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to study your word. Lord God, thank you for ushering us through songs of praise and worship. We recognize and acknowledge your presence in our midst. God, as you have been speaking to me through this message, Lord God, and through the commandments, I pray that you will speak in and through me and speak to your people, Lord, because we want to listen for what you have to say and we will be careful to obey what we hear. Because we love you. We commit to your entire worship service, Lord God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Why obey the commands? Holy name, holy day. So we'll begin with holy name. Now what is a name? Name is something that you use to introduce yourself. Many times, it is the way that you also introduce yourself by what you do. Hi, I'm Lorenzo. I am your worker. So I explain, I give my name, and I also describe what I do. Hi, I'm Yurik. I'm your flight mechanic. Hi, I am Nat. I'm your usher. So it, this, it's, it's, it's a brand, but it's also, it also conveys what you do. Now what does God have to say about his name. Deuteronomy 5, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now what's, what's the big deal about a name anyway? They know me in the office as Lorenzo. Very formal. My co-worker who sits beside, behind me, he knows I have two first names. Maybe some of you do not know that. My real first name is two first names, Lorenzo Ramon. So sometimes he calls me Ramon. <laughs> or because he knows I'm a pastor, sometimes he calls me Pastor. But I respond to it. Why? Because I know he's referring to me. Now, I made a list before. I did not update it. Many of you know that my nickname is Insong, spelled I-N-S-O-N-G, Right? But I have been called Enxiong, Inkong, okay? 
Lawrence, and we have a coworker at work. Hey, Lawrence. That's how she calls me. Hey, Lawrence, what's going on? Are you going to Church's Chicken today? Because on Thursday, Church's Chicken, Church's Chicken is on sale. And sometimes I drive and, hey, can you buy for me too? In Kong, in Xiong. But I respond to all of them. Because I'm familiar with who I am. I know that they're referring to me. Now, what's the big deal with God and His name? Right? Look at what it says. In Matthew, pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, what is the word hallowed? In another sense, it is holy. So, God's name, according to Jesus, should be set apart from other names. Right? How about this? There is no salvation. Can we read this? There is? There is no name under heaven by which man shall be saved. And whose name is that? Jesus Christ. Now, does every religion, does every church who has the name of God, the name of Christ, does it necessarily mean that they are referring to the Jesus Christ of the Bible? The INC. You know the INC? Not incorporated. What is the INC? Iglesia ni Cristo. You translate it in English. Church of Christ. Does it have the name of Christ? But what do they preach? Is it in line with the Spirit? It is in line with the truth? No. They say that Jesus Christ is just a prophet. He is not God. How about Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Does it have the name of Christ? But, but is it the same Christ? Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they are the Mormons. Their prophet is Jonathan Smith. They do not believe that the Bible is the only reliable source of Scripture. They say that Scripture is the Bible and the Book of Mormon. They, can, they preach that you can be your own God. How about Christian science? It has the word Christian. Is that the same? Tom Cruise, John Travolta. Scientology is from the Church of Christian Science. So how will we be able to distinguish which is which? Please, I encourage you, I implore you, don't take my word for it. Dig, search, pray, find out for yourself by studying the Bible, reading it. Don't take our word for it. Be a good Berean. You know what the Bereans did? It was Paul who was preaching. Now, if Paul will stand up here, I will sit down there. I want to hear what Paul has to say. 
But the Bereans, who were of more noble character, studied the scriptures day and night to see if what Paul was saying was true. You have my approval and you have the authority. If you do not agree, if you think that what we're preaching here is not of the word of God, come to us. Come, let us reason together, says God. And we will see. Because not every group that has the name of Christ, not every group that has the name of God, means that they are the same God. Read your Bible. The, the Sunday school song, what does it say? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. Yeah, we know how to sing it, but do we do it? Different story altogether. So what is the name of Jesus Christ? What, is the, what are the names of God in the Bible? Well, we said that by name, by function, it can be introduced. So look at some of these. These are some of the names of God. El Shaddai, Lord Almighty. Elion, Most High God. Adonai, Lord Master. Yahweh, Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, sama-sama kay Pastor Reggie. Uh, Jehovah Sidkeno, Jehovah Mikudishkem. Elo Alam, Elohim. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shabbat. And all of these names represent who God is. I represent Department of Public Social Services by what I do. And these are just some. Because there are a lot of other names in the New Testament. I had kind of this poster before in Manila a long time ago. What does it say? I am. This is the name by which God introduced himself to Moses as Moses encountered hope. Holy God in the burning bush. What will I say to the people? Tell them, I am sent you. But what if they do not believe? Tell them, I am who am sent you. That's one of his names. Now, all throughout scripture, you will see, you will hear, you will learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not going to be a video, but I want to challenge you. To close your eyes and listen for the names of Jesus Christ as described through all the books of the Bible. Are you ready? Okay? Bogi, we are ready with the audio? All right, close your eyes and listen to this. God has promised He will never leave us nor forsake us. In Christ, God has revealed His faithfulness to us from the beginning of time. In Genesis, Jesus is the ram at Abraham's altar. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the city of our refuge. In Joshua, he's the scarlet thread out Rahab's window. In Judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. And in Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. 
In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything that is broken. And in Esther, he is the Mordecai sitting faithful at the gate. In Job, he's our redeemer that ever liveth. In Psalms, he is my shepherd and I shall not want. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. And in the Song of Solomon, he's the beautiful bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, it is Jesus that is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he is the fourth man in the midst of a fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is my love that is forever faithful. In Joel, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, our Savior. And in Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary that takes the word of God into all of the world. You go on and you see in Micah, he is the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman that is ever praying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord, mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer of our lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In Matthew, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he is the door by which every one of us must enter. In Acts, he is the shining light that appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. In Romans, he is our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, our sin bearer. In Galatians, he redeems us from the law. In Ephesians, he is our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he supplies our every need. And in Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. In Philemon, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, it is the Lord that heals the sick. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is the chief shepherd. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, it is Jesus who has the tenderness of love. In Jude, he is the Lord, coming with 10,000 saints. And in Revelation, lift up your eyes, church, for your redemption draweth nigh. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Wake up. Jesus Christ is represented in each and every book of the Bible. We just don't see him named specifically. But did you see? Did you listen? He's there. Since eternity passed, Jesus Christ was already there. He was present at creation. And he will be present when his bride, the church, meets up with him in heaven. What's in a name? However, God said, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. What does, that, what does it mean that when, 
we take the name of the Lord in God in vain. The word in vain in Hebrew means, it means nothingness, emptiness, vanity. Anything which disappoints, it also means falsehood or lying. The term designates anything which is insubstantial, unreal, or worthless. Not only does the word mean profanity or swearing falsely, but it also includes using the name of the Lord or reputation lightly or without thinking. Isn't that true today? In the workplace, especially in the movies. A little talk. And what has happened to the name of Christ? It's become a swear word. Yes? It becomes a curse word. OMG. At least now some of them are, oh my gosh. Right? Is that taking the name of the Lord, your God, in vain? You flippantly use the word of Christ? Let me take it one step further. Oh, by faith na lang. Do we really understand what that term means? Oh, by God's grace lang yan. Yes? Do we really understand that the grace of God came because of the death of Jesus Christ? And we flippantly use those terms as Christian jargon? No one will go unpunished for using the name of the Lord our God in vain. I don't know what the punishment will be. Scripture does not tell us. But what I know is God said, no one will go unpunished for using the name of the Lord our God in vain. Now look at how the Old Testament scribes revered, reverenced the name of God. The scribes were the one who began to write down the scriptures on papyrus. Okay? A scribe had to speak and sing aloud each word as he wrote it. They washed their hands before each writing session, not just to make them clean, but rather to prepare their heart and mind for performing the holy act of writing the word of God. They also prayed before each session, writing a Torah is a mitzvah, a holy act. So what did they do before they began writing? They washed their hands. But look at this. Before writing Jehovah, before writing Jehovah, the name of God, the scribe had to clean the pen, wash their entire bodies in a mikveh, a pool of natural running water. In writing the scriptures, the scribes were careful to show great reverence and respect even centuries before the Hebrew scriptures were canonized, showing that from the earliest time, these writings were recognized as God's word. How many times does the word or the name Jehovah appear? I don't know. But the scribe, every time he had to write the word Jehovah, not only did he had to wash his hands, he had to bathe. They cannot make a mistake. No white out. If they make a mistake, they throw. They get a new one. You have to go through the process again. That's how much they revered, how much they honored the Word of God. The name of God. The Word of God. Now, how do we profane the name of God? 
CCF, other Christian churches, we don't take the name of the Lord our God in vain, do we? No. Right? Well, let's take a look. By using the name of God lightly and carelessly. Do you know this man? Ah, you read. His name is Salman Rushdie. He is the author of the Satanic Verses. Okay? How about this? Do you follow the news? Charlie Hebdo? These people use the name of Muhammad in vain. Salman Rushdie had a contract out on his life. The terrorists in France, Charlie Hebdo, they went into the offices. Charlie Hebdo is a satirical magazine who portrayed Muhammad in a very negative way. Two terrorist gunmen went in and shot to death 12 people. Why? Because they profaned the name of their God. For us, it's okay. In a sense, for me personally, I don't know about you, it's embarrassing. They are more staunch defenders of the name of their God than we are of ours. And we have and we know the true God. Now, I'm not going to tell you, please, you know, crack your AK-47s tomorrow, go to church, go to your work, and... <laughs> that is another profanity of the name of God. Taking the name of the Lord God in vain. By using it lightly or carelessly. How about this one? Oops. By rash swearing, mentioning the name of God or any of His attributes in the form of an oath without any just occasion for it. To no good purpose or to no good. I swear to God. In court, you have that. Put your hand on the Bible. Some courts, I don't, I think they're not doing it anymore because of the liberality of this country. You put your hand on the Bible, you swear the right hand. I promise to. What I will say is the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. So you're saying, you're making a note, that what you're going to say is true. Right? When you don't follow up, when you're not truthful, you have profaned the name of God. But I tell you that every careless word, word that people seek, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. Is that serious stuff? Yes. Using the name of God lightly and carelessly, rashly swearing. How about number three? By covenant breaking. If we make promises to God and perform, and perform not to the Lord our vows, we shall take His name in vain. When you make a promise to the Lord or to someone else, what is God's expectation? That you will fulfill your word. You will fulfill your vow. Right? What does God have to say about that? Again, you have heard 
that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vow to the Lord. But I say to you, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, or its, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his people, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make a note by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statements be, yes, yes, or no, no, anything beyond this is what? Is of evil. So be careful. Are you going to the party? Oh, yeah. I'll be there. I'll be the first there. And you don't show up. Did you or did you not break your word? Yes or no? But something came up. How will, go, how will I not go and not violate my word? Very easy. Brother, something came up. It's an emergency. And I said I was going to go. That's my word. My word is my bond. But something came up. Can you release me? Oh, sure. Ganyan ka naman eh. Ah, truth be told. Okay? I was supposed to conduct a retreat on a particular day. I got a call from Manila that they wanted me to officiate a wedding. But they didn't get back to me. By the time that they got back to me, I had already committed to do the retreat. And the wedding was supposed to be in Hawaii. All expenses paid. Wow. But I have a commitment. I gave my yes. So what did I do? I asked Pastor Danny. I explained to him the situation. So he said, go to Hawaii. I'll take the retreat. But I also asked permission from those to whom I've committed. Can, you know, this came up. Can Pastor Danny, yes, please. Did I violate the word? Did I violate my oath? No. But we don't, okay lang yan. They'll understand. Anyway, there are a lot of people, they won't notice I'm there. Or not. So how? By using the name of God lightly and carelessly, by rashly swearing, by covenant breaking. And for me, this is the worst. This is the worst. By hypocrisy. Making profession of God's name, but not living up to that profession. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, yes. That implicates, that means, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are living for Christ. If you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when people look at you, they see something different in your life. You're humble. You're sacrificial. Because that is what Philippians 2 tells us. That Christ became humble, became obedient to the will of the Father, even to the point of death, death on the cross. He did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, even if he's God. So when I say I'm a, I'm a Christian, it means I'm a follower. 
No, let's get rid of that word, I'm a Christian. You can pray a prayer and you're a Christian. But the Bible says, make what? Disciples. Make followers. Didn't say make Christians. The word Christian only appears three times in the Bible. But the word disciples, timing, and the disciples, and the disciples, and the disciples. The word disciple means follower. So friends, if you're not following yet, you know, think about it. I'm not going to be your conscience. If you and I claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we better follow Jesus Christ. Because if not, we will be guilty of taking the name of the Lord our God in vain by hypocrisy. By calling ourselves followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and not following the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you okay? Everyone's quiet. People have left the room. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of it. Because I would rather be embarrassed before men rather than be embarrassed before my God. See, God tells me in His Word, if you honor me before men, I will honor you before my Father. But if you do not honor me before men, I will not honor you before my Father. I want to honor God before men and before His throne. Because I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the rest. Enter the joy of your master. Let us not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Because God will not let those who take his name in vain go unpunished. I don't know that punishment. I don't like to find out. Holy name, holy day. God's name is holy and God set apart one day to be holy. Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. Why? Because you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, let me, those of you who are working, those of you who are employed, has your boss ever called you to his office and commanded you, hey, I want you to rest? No arguments, huh? I want you to rest. I want you to stop working. Don't work. I want you to rest. I want to meet you. I have not yet met. If you get called to the boss, 
Usually it's, hey, what's wrong with your work? You're not up to par. Those of you here, dialysis patient, you only have eight on the chair. What's going on? We have 32. Have they ever called you? Take a break. Relax. Go home. Why don't you? God, God commands His people to rest. Why well, is my boss? I like my boss. My boss tells me to rest. Why? Because he says, remember, when you were in Egypt, it was 24-7. You weren't even paid. If your boss didn't like the way you look, he could kill you and it would matter nothing. Because you were not even a people. You were not even considered a human being. You were just considered property. Now, in contrast, when you go into the promised land, the people there will notice you will be distinguished as God's people. Why do these people not work seven days? Why do these people take a break? What did God say? Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, there will be arguments. Which is the Sabbath day? Is it a Saturday or is it a Sunday? What did God say? What did God say? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. So which is the Sabbath day? See? Your Sabbath day is your seventh day. If you work Monday through Saturday, six days, when is your Sabbath? If you work on Sundays, because you're on rotation, you work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, when is your Sabbath? You see? Your seventh day, that is your Sabbath. Some people regard a certain day holier than others, Paul writes. That's not the issue. The issue is six days you work. The seventh is your Sabbath. So let us stop looking around. How many Sundays already so and so is not here? Violating the Sabbath. God says, six days you work, the seventh is your Sabbath. Stop looking for people. Pastor, I have not seen so and so. For several Sundays already. Violation of the Sabbath. Stop judging other people. That's God's department. God said, don't work on the Sabbath. Six days you shall do all your work. The seventh is your Sabbath day. It is holy unto the Lord. On that day you will rest. Why? Because remember, when you were not yet a people of God, you work and work and work and work. Now, there is this one human being, very wise. He's, he thought probably he is wiser than God. His name is Benito Mussolini. Benito Mussolini allied Italy to Adolf Hitler in World War II and he tried something radically different because there were radical times. 
So he did something radical. This is what he did. He ordered a 10-day work week to be observed, thinking that because there are more days for the work, of course, they would naturally be more output. Agree? No. Disagree? Spin a win. You remember the game? <laughs> what happened? The result. Decreased production, people getting sick, and their animals dying. Not because you work more days, it's become you'll become more productive. No. The word of God is true. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with rest. Six days you shall do your work. Seventh is your Sabbath. And let me remind you, the whole day is your Sabbath day. Huh? Yes. It is not because you came here from 9.30 to 12 that you have satisfied the obligations, the requirements of the law. Therefore, at 12 o'clock, I can already begin my usual schedule. How do I know? It happened to me. I did not finish my work in the office. So I brought my diskette home. Those of you who are old like me, you remember the diskette. Now it's USB, external, all kinds of stuff. I brought home the diskette. And I was doing a sensitivity analysis. You input the data and it will extrapolate and everything will come out. So if we make these kinds of money market investment, this will be the annual report. So very complicated. I did not finish it. I brought it home. So I went to church. I, don't, I think I even led worship during that Sunday. And thinking that because I have done my obligation to God, in the afternoon, I began to work. Guess what happened? The diskette was corrupted. <laughs> Unrecoverable. God, I'm sorry. I should not have dabbled around with your command. That the seventh is your day. On that, I will do no work. That day is holy, set apart unto you. Very good. Praise God. On my Sabbath, I will do nothing. I will just sleep the whole day. <laughs> yes! I wish it were. But look at what God tells us. The Lord said to Moses in Leviticus 23, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. So what are we supposed to do on the Sabbath according to Leviticus? Ano chill? 
have a sacred assembly. Come together. That's why our Sabbath is, for most of us, on a Sunday. So what we do on a Sunday? We come together. We come together. We come together as what? A sacred assembly. I don't like to compare. We should not compare. But we were sent to Korea before. And you, I don't know if it's still the same today. When we go in their worship sanctuary, there is no, Hi, how are you? There is no like that. Honestly. There's no checking the cell phone. Sister Grace will attest. When the Korean Christians come into their sanctuary, they come in very quiet, they sit down and begin to pray. They don't mingle. Why? I don't know. Some of you might find it extreme. But it also speaks to my heart. Wow. They really revere. They really value their time with God. That's why when, they, when their pastors ask Pastor Peter about the CCF pastors, Oh, Pastor Peter, are these your pastors? Pastor Peter was very proud. Yes, they are my pastors. And what did the Korean pastor say? They're different. <laughs> They're different. You know, I, I, Pastor Glenn is our present uh, music and worship pastor. There, no? So we have like, okay, okay, all together, one, on three. One, two, three. Um, 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 Pasko ay sumap. So we are really different. We are distinguished. Six days you shall work. The seventh is your Sabbath. It is holy unto the Lord. Not because you came here allows you to do any, the rest of the day any which way you want. It's like bringing your tithe to the Lord. Oh God, I've already put in my 10%. Huh? So I can do whatever I want with the 90%. Because I've satisfied the obligation of putting 10%. 11 pa nga. Who owns 100%? What does he ask of you? Bring the 10. Do you still have the responsibility to be a good steward of the 90? When God says, the Sabbath day is holy unto the Lord, is it only between the hours of 9.30 to 12? You see, the Sabbath, God gave us the Sabbath. Why? Because keeping the Sabbath holy unto the Lord is really a test of faith. It's really a test of faith. Let me show you. Exodus 16. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For we do not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Remember, they were on the journey. And you need food to survive. You need water. God provides them water, even out of the rock. And what will we eat? It's a desert. 
God provides them with manna. They don't know what to call it. I call it, whatchamacallit. They don't have a name for it. Manna. So every morning, the quail would come. When they depart, there would be frost, like wafers. Right? Moses said, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Did the Lord provide? Yes. This is what the Lord God commands. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, which is a measure, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Okay so far? You gather what you need. How many are in the house? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Peter Lucero yun. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Seven omers. Right? Seven omers. Paul Miguel, one omer. Single pa lang. Right? So Peter got as much. But then when he measured it, oh, exactly for seven people. Right? Paul Miguel gathered. When he measured it, exactly for one person. Ayos! We're good! Okay. That's the command of the Lord, right? Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Did they obey the command of God? No. Get as much for yourself today. Consume it. Eat it. Don't get too much. What happened to those who disobeyed? You have that? Food that is spoiling? Rotten? Expiry is only one day, imagine. When we go to the grocery. Oh, Wednesday pa to, pwede pa to. One day. Why? Do you trust God who will provide for your needs? That's why when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, give us... But what do we pray? Give us this year. Better still, God, give me six numbers, 380 million. I will not bother you again. <laughs> what? Take enough for yourself today. Eat it. Do not let it go until morning. Why? The Lord will provide. Some did not follow. So what? They were guilty of the sin of unbelief. Why? Maybe tomorrow there is no food. Therefore, I make sure I will get more than what is allowed to me. Because tomorrow, who knows? Maybe there's no food tomorrow. Then what will I eat? So I will make sure. What happened? Became maggots. How about this one? Continuing. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses. He said to them, 
This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. So, on the day before your Sabbath, you double up your rations. Why? Because the next day is the Sabbath, there will be no food. Right? Right? What happened? Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day and found none. The first group was guilty of the sin of unbelief. Maybe tomorrow there's none. Maybe the God will not provide tomorrow. We better get all of it now. The others, however, said, Oh, it was there Monday, Tuesday, all the way. It will be there tomorrow. Moses said, gather double portion the day before the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath day is a rest. It is a holy day unto the Lord. You will not find any. I will be there. Don't worry. So they went out and found, in English, olats. Nothing. They were guilty of the sin of presumption. They presumed that because God provided Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it will be there. They forget the Sabbath. You will not work. You will not gather. You will not bake. You will not boil. What did Moses do? The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is. On the seventh day, no one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. God will provide for our needs. That's why the Sabbath day, honoring the Sabbath day is a test of our faith. There was one of the leaders in CCF in Bulacan. He had a hardware store. To make ends meet, he had to open seven days. And he was challenged. Trust God. Close on Sundays so that you can come to the sacred assembly, to the gathering. He tried. And God blessed his business so much with so much sales from Monday through Saturday that he really didn't need to open on that Sunday. Keeping the Sabbath is really a test of faith. On that day, I choose to honor the Lord. On that day, the things that I would normally do, I set aside to honor the Lord. Look at what Isaiah wrote. If because of the Sabbath, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, 
and you shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word. Then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How do I delight in the day of the Lord and honor it? I will desist from doing my way, from seeking my own pleasure. Because it is a special day. It is a day I set aside for God. I don't know how you set your Sabbath aside. That's between you and God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, let us not forsake the gathering of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but come all the, all the more as we see the day approaching. You can do a lot of things on other days, but the promise is this. If you take delight in the Lord, doing what, make God, what makes God happy, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Many, many, many years ago, decades ago, there was this man, S.P. Fenn. He was a lowly clerk in Cleveland Railroad office. He was also a believer who honored the Sabbath. As his other office mates spent Saturday afternoons playing baseball, they would make it a practice to work on Sundays. Young Fen refused to conform to this pattern in order for him to be able to go to church. As he was pressured by the others to work on Sunday, he opted instead to resign without any other job in sight. Now, I'm not telling you to resign. Please don't go to your boss. My pastor told me to resign. <laughs> I'm not going to pay your bills. I don't have money. Okay. <laughs> By his own decision, he said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to resign. I have no job in sight, but I'm going to honor my God. Right? While on his way to the YMCA convention, he met a fellow member to whom he shared his situation. This new acquaintance invited him to come and work for him. As it turned out, this gentleman was Henry Sherwin then the president of Sherwin-Williams Paint Company. Mr. Fenn accepted the offer and joined that company, rising to the level of vice president. Serino Peck Fenn. He decided to honor God. And what was the promise? If you and I take delight in the day of the Lord, I will make you ride. In the heights of your father Jacob, the word of the Lord is spoken. Honoring the Sabbath is a test of our faith. Will we trust God? Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His glorious riches, in Christ Jesus. These are not leftover blessings. His provision is in accordance with the glorious riches of Christ. Ah. Ah. It's really your call. 
I'm not going to tell you, give this up, give that up. That's between you and God. But if I may encourage you, take God on His promise. If you delight, let me show that to you again. Then you will take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the inheritance of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. His name is holy and his day is holy. Holy name, don't take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Don't say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and not live like a follower of Jesus Christ. Honor the Sabbath. Trust God to provide for what you need. And because his word says, Delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Trust Him not only for your basic needs, but delight in Him so that He will give you even the desires of your heart. My only encouragement to all of us this morning, and I want you to sit down. We're not going to break out this morning. Just sit down maybe with your family and just go around the table and ask each one, what can you do? What can I do differently on the Sabbath that will show how much I delight in the Lord? What can I do differently? I'm going to put this aside because this is the Lord's day. I'm going to put this or that aside because this day is dedicated to the Lord. I don't know what it is. Only you can answer that. But remember, holy name, holy day. It's not holy name and holiday. It's holy name and holy day. Now I shared with you from the book of Acts that there is no name under heaven by which a man shall be saved. Have you found refuge in the name of Jesus have you found salvation in no other name except Jesus Christ? If you have not yet done so, just go to the Lord and talk to Him. We call it prayer. He says, if anyone, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And have an intimate fellowship, relationship with him. I want to dine with him and he will dine with me. Have you come to that point? If you have not yet, then tell God, God, I need you. I know I'm separated from you because of my sin. This morning I take refuge in no other name for my salvation except the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you and perhaps you're sometimes like me who takes the name of the Lord our God in vain by not representing Christ well, professing that we are followers of Christ but living as if we are not, then will you talk to God too? And ask, God, will you please forgive me? And you know what? His answer will be yes. 
Because if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God, how can I prove to you how much I delight in you? What can I do differently on my Sabbath that will really, really make you smile? Because giving honor to God is doing something that pleases Him. That's between you and God. God Almighty, thank you for your word. We thank you that we can read it, we can study it, we can discuss it. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters who faithfully come here to celebrate this sacred assembly, honoring you, honoring your name, and honoring your day. God, thank you that you desire us to come into personal relationship with you and that you desire your children to take rest in you, knowing that you are faithful to provide. You have provided salvation for us. How can we doubt that you will provide for what we need? When you provided your son, Jesus Christ, to ensure that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, his or her name is written in the Lamb's book of life. How can we not set aside one day of the seven days that you freely give us to offer it back to you? Oh God, teach us what we can do differently on your day that would really communicate to you how much we delight in you. Oh God, do your work. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Allow us to make these commitments, Lord God, and to make good on these commitments we're doing this morning and not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. God, we just want to thank you that you are faithful even if we are faithless because you cannot disown yourself. We thank you for being the kind of God you are, the kind of God you are to us. Help us, Lord God, to represent you to the point that people will ask, about you and that when they do that you will give us the boldness to share about your son Jesus Christ whose name we pray all of these things Amen